Have you ever felt like the work you were supposed to love is instead sucking your soul and you aren't making the impact you always dreamed of making? If so, you aren't alone. From broke and underemployed to six figures plus, powered only by daydreams and grit, I realized I was burning out and my values of freedom, purpose, and making an impact were taking the backseat to my wallet. I realized that I needed to build my own field guide to awesome from the inside out. So I gave it all up and I traveled the world to rediscover what was most important to me and create a business that filled my pockets, filled my soul, and allowed me to multiply my impact. But the question is, how will I do it? Join me on my journey and find out as we build our community of experts and share the secrets of success from the inside out. My name is Trina Sarekia, and this is The Field Guide to Awesome. Welcome back to The Field Guide to Awesome, folks. In my last episode, I spoke again with Claire Sweet about why we need to talk about money and how creating a flexible life prevents the biggest end-of-life regret. If you missed it, make sure to go back and check it out. But don't go yet, folks. My next guest is Vince Warnock, and we're talking about the entrepreneur's brain's way of saying that you are exactly where you need to be. Vince Warnock is an award-winning business and marketing strategist, coach, author, and host of Chasing the Insights podcast. An ex-radio announcer with over 20 years in marketing, Vince has been recognized by his peers with numerous awards, including being named a Fearless 50, a program designed by Adobe to recognize the top 50 marketers in the world who drive bold, fearless marketing and digital transformation. Previously the CMO at Cigna, Vince has founded multiple companies, including the Chasing the Insights Academy, where he empowers entrepreneurs and business owners to make sense of marketing and grow the business they have always dreamed of. Join me in welcoming Vince Warnock. So, all right. This conversation is just amazing. I wanted to ask you a couple of things. We haven't gotten to either of the two things that we said we were going to talk about, but we talked about so much gold. Yeah, as soon as you and I start talking, this is going to be like five hour long episode. (sighs) All right. So I wanted to pop in and talk about some of the mental health challenges that being an entrepreneur can present because, and I know that one of them, which is a combination of mental health challenges is imposter syndrome. And that's one of the things that I'm passionate about. And I know you are too, Vince. Yeah, no, I always say imposter syndrome is my old, old friend. And yeah, for those, I mean, I'm pretty sure every entrepreneur knows what imposter syndrome is, but every now and then you find some of that isn't. And it is just that feeling, isn't it? Of I don't belong here. I I don't deserve what this is. And people are going to find out I'm a complete nut of fraud. They're going to find out I'm making this up as I go along. And when you grow up in a family where you don't have role models, you don't have people, like anybody, and basically when I was a kid, anyone who had success was the enemy. Because my parents mm-hmm. would look at anybody that had made money and go, well, they obviously don't deserve that money. We do, but we never get the opportunity, uh, which is a really unhealthy view yeah. uh, around money and success and things. So, I think it's also quite common. Sadly, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. But, but it was it was really difficult growing up in that. And I had to break through that myself. And as a result, anytime that you succeed, you feel like you don't belong there. I feel like I'm mm. an imposter at these scenarios. And I remember early on, I, I was I was quite young back in the day, as my son says, when it's black and white, you know, but I went to, I won tickets to this business breakfast and they had one of the heads of Adobe speaking there from Oceania. 
and and he was going to be talking about his journey and, and how success comes all this kind of stuff and i'm like oh my goodness first of all i had no money right i was a real young business person i had no money whatsoever so i'm going somewhere where there's free food and free drink i'm like yes sign me <laughs> up i'm going to eat and drink everything but also i get to hear from this legend and i'm like right so i knew if i'm going to this business breakfast i'm going to have to dress up i didn't own a suit i in fact basically jeans or track pants and a t-shirt was pretty much all i ever owned so I went down to a Goodwill shop, um, down to a secondhand shop, and I found a, a suit there for $10. It was disgusting. It was gray, like this light, shiny gray. It was double breasts. I had no idea what fashion was back then. <laughs> um, my daughter would argue I still don't. So I bought this suit there. It was ill-fitting. Like, honestly, the sleeves went down to my lower knuckles. It was, it was horrible. And I had a, a long hair at the time, which I tied up, tied up in a ponytail. So nothing about this screamed success or, or fashion or anything whatsoever, but I turned up at this event and the second I walked in, I went, what am I doing here? I stand out like mm. a sore thumb. I don't belong here. Everybody else looks like they do belong here. I sat at this table that we're allocated for, got my food and everything and I was enjoying the food and I thought, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to enjoy the food. And obviously this is not for me, but you know, I'm going to do this. And I remember looking around the table and in my mind, like if I picture it now, it just looks like everybody's wearing Armani suits uh, or Tom Fords, you know, that everyone looked distinguished. And I'm here in this tacky, shiny, gray piece of crap suit. I'm like, no. So I felt like a complete outsider. And anyway, the speaker got up and he shared his journey and oh my goodness, it was inspiring. Like it really was. And I just looked at him and went, I want to be this guy. I want to, I want his life. Why can't I have that? This new company car was a brand new Audi. And this is way back then. And I was just like, oh man. And at the end of his presentation, he went around every table and he asked the same question, which has, have you got any questions for me? And I heard him a couple of tables away and I'm like, right. And I remember this, I can still picture it, this conversation in my head, my brain going, okay, Vinny, listen up. You got one shot, man, one shot to ask something intelligent to at least like look like you partially belong here. And I'm going, okay, okay, I've got one shot. You got one shot, Vince. Don't let me down. I won't let you down. I won't let you down. Okay. Oh, the pressure. I, yeah, I turned around and realized he's standing right next to me and he goes, oh, have you got any questions? And then my mouth does this thing where I just speak words and then my brain kicks in afterwards. And I just went, oh, at what point did you know you'd made it? And my brain just went, you moron. And I looked around the table and there's a lot of people rolling their eyes like amateur question. And I was like, ah, oh, damn it. And he just turned around, and he shocked me, he just said, actually, that's a very good question. And I went, whoa, and my brain was like walking out the door, just went, wait, what? <laughs> Come back. And he said, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. And the moment you hear that from someone successful, you're like, if I'm hearing a secret from someone successful, I'm writing this stuff down. Yeah. So I grabbed my pen and paper and he told me, he goes, I've got this morning routine I go through events. And I'm like, oh, I've heard that morning routines are really important. So I started writing out every word out of his mouth. He goes, every morning I get up deliberately early. And I'm like, ooh, I like this, deliberately early. And he says, uh, I get out of bed and I go to the bathroom. I said, oh, interesting, not the kitchen, straight to the bathroom, gotcha. And he goes, I fill up the sink with cold water. And I'm like, hmm, should I ask him what temperature exactly? No, I'll just write down cold water. Uh, so I write down cold water. He goes, yeah, and I, I fill up the sink with cold water. I splash that water on my face. I look in the mirror and I go, ha, today's the day they find out you're a fraud. And I went, what? And he goes, I've never felt like a success. I've mm. never felt like I fit in this. He said, most of us, and he, he indicated around the table, he said, most of us feel the exact same way. And I looked at these people that I felt like I didn't belong with. I looked at all these people that I was looking up to essentially at this table and they're all nodding as well. And I was like, oh my goodness. And that's when I realized a couple of things. First of all, we're all as much of a hot mess as each other. 
And I realized that, you know, I had judged all these people as being these, you know, perfect business people, these like, you know, super successful people, but all of them felt like they didn't belong. What's up with that? And it made me also realize that actually exposing that thinking really helped me, but also it meant I had as much right to be at that table as everybody else. Yeah. Um, now, I'd love to say that that, you know, kind of cured imposter syndrome and everything. It didn't, obviously. I struggled with that for the rest of my career. Even when I published my first book, Trainer, that was uh, the emotional rollercoaster I was talking about was I should have felt amazing publishing that book, right? I poured my heart and soul and sweat and blood into that book. How did you feel instead? I was depressed because I went to a book launch. Everyone said, don't do a book launch. I'm like, ah, I'm a marketer, hold my beer. So I went to do this book launch, got a hundred people there, did signed copies. It was an amazing atmosphere. It was a beautiful event. Everyone was so supportive, but people kept telling me, I can't wait to read the book. And that started my uh... stomach coughing. Yeah. And I felt very vulnerable and very exposed. And they I read a going, book and then you think, oh shit, they might read it. I know, I know, I know. So, so I went to bed that night. I should have been, because I'm a high extrovert. When I'm around that many people, I should be buzzing all night. But no, I was, I couldn't sleep in the bad way. And I had these conversations going over and over in my head saying, who do you think you are? Like, what makes you think you have the right to write a book? What makes you think anyone wants to read this rubbish? In fact, they're going to read it and think, what an amateur. So in the morning, I made a dumb decision. I decided that I was going to sabotage myself because mm. I had lined up interviews with Forbes, with CIO magazine, Diginomica. They all wanted to profile me in my book. And I'm like, ah, so I contacted them all and said, look, super appreciate it, but I'm way too busy at the oh moment. Oh my you God. Know? I know, I know, which was a lie. I could have made, I was really busy, but I could have made the time for this. Uh, and I went dark. I didn't talk about it on social. I turned down any press. I just didn't want to talk about my book anymore. And it wasn't until I got called out by one of my mentors. And he's the type of mentor, by the way, that he doesn't call you. You've got a book time with him. But he yeah. called me out of the blue and he said, look, I'm just checking in on you. How's the book sales going? I told him and he's like, oh, okay, good numbers. But I haven't seen anything out there. It's like, you've gone dark. There's no social posts. There's no press. What's going on? And I said, oh, you know, it's all good. I'm just relying on word of mouth because I'm so busy. And he goes, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> he called me on <laughs> He it. knows. He, but he said to me, like, now this is a guy, by the way, who's an eight times best-selling author and i'm not talking amazon best-selling. i'm talking new york times best-selling author right every book he puts out there just goes ballistic and i've, I've read everything like this guy's a legend and he he said to me i'm going to tell you the process i go through every single time i publish a book and i'm like oh okay and then he just relayed my story back to me the same self-doubt the same uh, imposter syndrome the same everything i'm going but that doesn't make sense because you're so successful and he goes i never feel like i'm successful and that's when I realized that talking about this is really, really important. This is why I'm writing a book on it at the moment. Mm -hmm. It's actually the more we talk about imposter and the more we shine light on it, the more we realize something. And that something is that it's not actually a bad thing. And this is a crazy thought, but bear with me when I say this. Imposter syndrome in itself isn't actually bad. If you look at what it is, all it is is your brain going, hey, Trina, hey, Vince, hey, listeners, you're outside of your comfort zone right yes. now. You're, in fact, you're way out of your comfort zone. And I want to keep you safe. So I'm going to use fear to get you come running back to me so I can wrap you up in my arms and keep you nice and comfy and cozy. Now, the problem with that is we're entrepreneurs. Yeah. You know, when we talk about the fact that we're worried that we're making this up as we go along, guess what? We are making it up as we go along. This is exactly what we should be doing. We should be out of our comfort zone. Oh That's my God, I absolutely happens. love this. And it is absolutely true. Oh, we are yeah. a little bit of the imposter because oh, we're making, we we're creating something that hasn't been created yeah. before. And it's a good thing. It's yes. exactly what we should be. Yeah. But we, we don't get breakthrough in your comfort zone. You don't get success no. and, and prosperity yeah. in your comfort zone. You get it outside of there. 
So when you can recognize that, that's when that's when something interesting happens because you realize that imposter syndrome itself is just a bunch of signals from your brain to say you're outside of your comfort zone. So in other words, it's your brain going, hey, guess what? You're exactly where you need to be. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> and you get to choose what to do, what you want with that information. So you can either choose to do what I did, which is sabotage myself and go, okay, I'm going to run from those feelings. Or you get to reframe it and go, you know what, brain? Really appreciate you. Appreciate you telling me I'm exactly where I need to be. I know you're worried about this, but you know what? I've got this. I'm good at this. It's yeah. okay. So honestly, imposter syndrome strikes every entrepreneur, unless yeah. you're a sociopath and then you're probably okay. Yeah. Or very new. I remember being very new and just not knowing what wasn't, I'm using air quotes listeners, what isn't <laughs> supposed to be possible. Yeah. And I'm going to do it. And people are saying it's not possible. It's like, but I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah It's yeah, actually definitely. happening. <laughs> I, it wasn't already pre-programmed. Yeah. Pre-programmed that it wasn't supposed to get done. And so then you get some more experience under the belt and you realize that, hey, there's this entrepreneurial thing and I can do it. And, but now, you know, some of the, the trip wires and the falls and the, and the scary things and what could actually happen if you fail and then what could possibly happen if you succeed. And that's scary too. Well, you you know what Uh, it's like? Because I always talk about this concept of curiosity, which is one of the superpowers of every entrepreneur. But we are born curious. We're born without limits, Mm -hmm. if you think about it. right? When we were a kid, and anyone who's a parent knows this, every question when you get, why, 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 why? Until you're like, oh, because I said so. Um, But but they're born naturally curious. The problem with it is we get it beaten out of us. And by that, I mean, we get to the point where we go, if I ask a question about that, someone's going to judge me on that and think you probably should know that by now. Or someone's going to go, what, are you dumb? We need to get and they're going to ask that question because either a they don't know yeah. themselves and they can't yeah. answer the question or they're intimidated because yeah. they have their own fears. Oh, they have their own own lack of understanding of how important they are or how valuable oh, they are. I, I still remember Trina when so I used to work at a, a not-for-profit called Education New Zealand and the government looked at it and went, hey, you guys are just smashing it with all the money we give you. But we've got these government departments that are failing with the money we give them. So we're going we're gonna to bind you all together and create what's called a crown agency, which is a new government department here. And I'm like, wait, I now work for government? Oh, man. Uh, but we were bringing these companies together. And we didn't have an IT person there. But I was the person who knew how to turn on a computer. So even though I'm the marketing guy, I was also the proxy IT guy. So I'm sitting in this room for these super nerdy IT people, and I'm a nerd myself, but they were talking about these systems and these things that we need to set up in a new environment because we've you know, got a new building, we're going to bring all the computers in. And they were talking about this SRV something, something, something system. And I'm like, I have no idea what that is. So I asked the question, I said, oh, sorry, can someone explain to me what the SRV system is? You all keep saying we need this, but I don't know what it actually does. And around the room, everybody did the same thing. They all rolled their eyes and go, oh, like you don't know. And I'm like, I'm sorry, guys, I didn't grow up in your environment. You know, I'm, I'm actually a marketing guy. I'm fulfilling this role. So I'm here as part of this. So you're going to have to work with me here. I'm just, I know I'm a yeah. bit dumb around this, but, and they were like, oh, well, and I said, so what does it actually do? Oh, it's, it's hard to explain. Well, humor me, explain <laughs> it. They don't know. Uh, no, not a single person. And do you know <gasps> the funniest part of it? It was something that in this project group for the last 10 years, every time they set up a new agency or set up a new thing, we're bringing the system with it because obviously we need to pay for that and we need to bring it on board. 
but no one had actually used it for the last 10 years. They were just implementing it to all these organizations and it had no function, but no one oh knew that. God. So nobody questioned. It took a dumb guy coming in there going, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and then, then suddenly went, maybe we don't actually need this. So, oh, it was the best feeling ever, honestly. <laughs> the curiosity, the beginner's mind, because frequently we have our habits of acting, our habits of believing this yeah. is what has always been done in business or what has always been done in my life. This is how I've always done it. Yeah. That's not a good enough answer anymore, especially not if you want something different than what you already have. Yeah. Oh, you've just got to get curious, honestly. Yeah. I, I, and not just in business as well. I genuinely do believe that if we can get curious in every aspect of our life, we're just going to become better people. And yes, like if you look at, I mean, the world's a mess at the moment. If we get really honest about it, the world's a mess. You've got pandemics everywhere. You've got political and social divides. You've got people who don't want to talk to others. But if we got really curious and tried to understand people, try to ask questions that would normally embarrass ourselves, like, I don't understand why that is. So please explain then honestly, you would start to grow as an individual. And I remember this is something that from my childhood where, so growing up in an abusive household, school for me was a happy place, right? So it was mm -hmm. a place where I was always, I was safe. Until I got to that age 11, it was quite a pivotal year for me there. there. Uh, I went to a transitional school, it's called an intermediate, which is just two years, 11 and 12, before you go off to um, high school. And I'm at this intermediate and I encountered something in the classroom that I've never come across before other than at home. And that was a bully. And this guy made my life hell for two years. Like I had no safe space anymore. Mm -hmm. I was tormented at home. I was tormented at school. I was, I didn't even want to exist. I thought I was an alien for a long time. I thought somehow someone's going to come and rescue me and take me off this stupid planet. It was horrible. But then when I got to age 12, we we're in our last year intermediate, we found out that he was going to a different high school. And I'm like, yes, I am free. So I went to mine. He went to his. That was all good. Never had to see him again in my life. But I also realized I was sick of being a victim and I was sick mm -hmm. of people being able to take advantage of me. So I threw myself into learning how to box and learning how to do martial arts and did that for a number of years. And I would train every single day. And I wasn't, I wouldn't say I'm any good at it, but enough to be able to defend myself definitely. Yeah. And age, I think I was just about 17. I'm at school and I found out he got transferred back to my school. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I had seen every 80s movie. I'd seen all the Revenge of the Nerds and all these things about the underdog finally coming out on top. I'm like, this is going to be a glorious day. I know I could play it out of my head. I knew what was going to happen. And sure enough, he walks past me. I'm like, <laughs> so I yelled his name and a few expletives. And I knew what was going to happen. He turned around, he took a swing at me. And I'm like, nope. He took another swing at me. I'm like, <laughs> and then finally I laid him out. I, and I'm not a violent person at all. In fact, I abhor violence, but I hit him, knocked him out. He was on the ground, unconscious. And this moment where the underdog finally came down on top, I'm like, yes, except I felt terrible. Yeah. And I remember suddenly finding myself in the principal's office, which funny enough is what happened when you fight. And I'm there with the principal and he turns to me and he said, look, do you know why he got transferred to the school? And I said, no, I don't care. I'm trying to be all staunch, you know, I'm not a very yeah. good staunch person. I'm like, I don't care. And he goes, well, you probably should care. And I went, oh. And he said, he started explaining this, this guy's backstory in his life. And he said, look, he grew up in an abusive household. And I'm like, yeah, thinking same, so what? And he goes, so much so that his dad used to beat him, his mum, and his sister every day since he was a baby. And recently what happened was the father beat the mother so badly in front of the two children that she actually passed away. So he oh. murdered the mum in front of the two of them. 
Now, rightfully, he got arrested and he, and he went to jail, which is great. And they went to stay with an auntie and uncle. And that, and that auntie and uncle were closer to our school. And that's why he got transferred there. And I was like, but I didn't know that. And he goes, no, and I wouldn't expect you to know that, Vince. He goes, but funny enough, of all the people that I thought might understand what he went through and all the people that might have been able to actually talk to him about that, you were the one. And that's when I had this big revelation that I'm not the hero in this story. I'm not the underdog coming out on top. And by the way, all those 80s movies lied to us. <laughs> like yeah. They are yeah. horrible movies. But in actual fact, I'm the villain of this story because I'm the one person that had the opportunity. Now, not not saying I would have turned his life around or anything. He may not have chosen to talk to me about these kinds, but I had the opportunity to be there for him if I had taken the time to try and understand why he behaves the way he does, why he was doing what he does. And that's yes. when I realized we just have to understand each other. We have to get super curious. And in doing so, by the way, your businesses will grow. Your connections will yes. grow. You'll understand people a lot more deeply. You'll understand yourself more deeply. You'll just be a better human being. So we just have to do that. Amen. Amen, Vince. <laughs> you're speaking You're speaking the truth. I, when you work on yourself, when you know why. Yeah. When you go into the, the depths and you understand yourself more and how you respond yeah. and know that you're safe, you have the ability to be curious yes, and to ask and to yeah. stop mind reading because it's not <laughs> mind reading. You're actually putting thoughts into, you're, you're putting projecting. your thoughts yeah. and you're thinking other people are thinking your thoughts and they're not. Yeah. And, exp and when we, to pull it back to, imposter syndrome, I think we often go into um, a room or an environment or a niche thinking everybody already knows what we know. Oh, yes. And we know such a small portion of it. Yep. When yep. instead, what it we know, we have like this vast well of knowledge and we know a little bit about everything. Yeah. And everybody knows a little bit about what we have, but there's the magic that that you bring to um, your industry, whatever that is. I'll I tell you something I found interesting, Trina. So getting recognized by Adobe as one of the top 50 marketers is an mm. interesting thing when you suffer from imposter syndrome, by the way, um, because I'm sitting there going, I could list, I could write a list of 100 people more talented than me. What are you on about? Uh, and then they, so how it kind of played out was Adobe had this big conference. They asked me to speak at it. And I said, yep. So they're going to fly me to San Francisco, you know, business class, five-star hotel, all the whole shebang. And I went, no, I can't do that. I'll come and speak at your conference, but I'll pay my own way because I was chief marketing officer. I didn't want anyone to think there's conflict of interest. Luckily, Cigna found out about it and they're like, this is a massive opportunity. We'll pay Vince. I'm like, yes, back to business class. Um, so, so I couldn't justify it otherwise. Yeah. But, uh, but they were adamant with me. You have to come and speak at this conference. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, chill. I'm going to be there. So finally, I get over to this conference and they, the way they structured it, they had um, 25 keynotes there plus what they call celebrity keynotes. And so the celebrities were like Jamie Foxx, they had a flow rider, some Olympic athletes, mm -hmm. all these there. Um, and this is amazing. You get to hobnob with all these people. It's like, this is awesome. That's sweet. Every one of my heroes. I realized those 25 keynotes, I'm to me, I'm the one that stands out here. I'm the, I'm the sore thumb because I had, you know, Brian Solis, Ann Hanley, I think Seth Godin was there, a whole pile of incredible speakers. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. I get to hear them all. And then we got there and then they turned around, they, they opened up the conference and the, the CEO came out and he's like, welcome to the conference, blah, blah. And he said, uh, we've got a very special thing that we're launching here because there's, there's a reason that we've got these 25 people as the keynotes. And I'm like, huh? 
And he goes, because <laughs> these are part of our new program where we recognize the top 50 marketers in the world. And we've chosen the top 25 of those. And I'm like, oh, there must be 25 and me. And I really, uh. my brain did not cope. It really didn't cope with this very well at all. I was really, I was struggling with this whole concept. But then it got even worse because he goes, and I really want to highlight three of those that I think are challenging the industry in the right way. And he goes, and the first is all the way from New Zealand. I'm like, whoa, another Kiwi. Uh, and, and then suddenly <laughs> I see my face on the screen. I'm like, that Kiwi looks exactly like me. And then my name <laughs> came up and I went, what the hell? He's got the same name as me. Like my brain's just disengaging. <laughs> But it was because of the work I've done around morality and adding ethics to marketing and actually challenging the industry to be decent custodians of care, you know, for, for people that we market to. And I'm like, oh man, so, so I'm at this conference, I'm getting recognized, I'm struggling with this, but I got to go out to dinner with all of my heroes. I got to hear them speak and it was, it was better than I even thought. Like honestly, Brian Solis blew my mind and Handy was just one of the sweetest people ever. Seth Godin, anytime you get to hear him, he's like, yeah. so I'm just like, this is incredible. And I got to go out to dinner with these people. And the more that you start talking to them, the more you start drinking lots of whiskey, by the way. Love my whiskey. I uh, also found out Americans, I'm sorry, but Americans are lightweight drinkers compared to Kiwis. Like, just <laughs> want to get out there. We can drink all the top shelf stuff and you guys are on the floor sucking air going. <gasps> like but the more the more we, were, more we were getting into this dinner, it was just such a wonderful time. And there's some, some of the sweetest people ever. But they started opening up about their problems. And when they start talking about relationships falling apart, struggling financially, all these kind of things were coming out. And I'm going, but these are the people I look up to. These are the people that I want to be. And weirdly, they're as much of a hot mess as I am. And that's what I realized. We're, none of us are really that different. All of us are dealing with things. All of us have our own struggles and our own stuff. So why don't we just actually try and support each other? Why don't we talk about this kind of stuff? Uh, why don't we be honest about, I had this with uh, a peer of mine in the UK. She was really struggling at one point. She went kind of dark on me and I went, hey, hang on, jump on Zoom. She said, oh, I'm not up to Zoom. I haven't done my hair and makeup. I went, ha, neither have I. <laughs> I don't know, by the way. Um, so, so I finally got her on a Zoom call and she just burst into tears and said, look, I'm just really ashamed. I'm really embarrassed. I've been asked to put together this, this press release for Forbes. I've been asked to put together this quote for this large corporate over here. But I procrastinated so much on both of those because I was overwhelmed that now I'm at the point where I'm really embarrassed and really ashamed. And so I'm avoiding all of their calls. I'm avoiding all of their emails. And I'm like, oh man, I did that last week. And she's like, what? I said, yeah, that, that happens to me all the time. I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm not surprised. And then we realized that by talking about it with each other, we remove the shame from it. Mm. We remove the embarrassment and we realize, hang on a minute, this can't be that uncommon. So we started asking other entrepreneurs and sure enough, just about everybody struggles with the same thing, but we don't talk about it because of that embarrassment. So yeah, we're all- you know, That was one of the questions that I was going to bring up eventually was, because <laughs> all of my questions have gone out the window. The conversation yeah. has been amazing, but absolutely imposter syndrome, the, the guilt for stepping away from what isn't working for you? Yeah. Uh, the embarrassment is like, you know, this isn't making me happy. And how does this, how dare this, where I am, not make me happy? Look at where I am. Anybody else who would be here would be thrilled. And if I gave this up, people would think I'm crazy. And then getting to the point of being recognized yeah. or something and like thinking, I, I can't even go forward with this and, and finding subtle ways to self-sabotage and not asking for help. I think this is a common thing for pretty much everyone who has a certain degree of success. Yeah. You know, can I ask for help? 
because if I ask for help, that means I'm not successful or yeah. that means that has some kind of story. That. Yeah. What it, we totally need to reframe that though. Because, yeah. And I know you know this as well, Trina, but yeah, it's this weird mentality we have that if we, if we ask for help, we're failing, or if we ask for help, then, you know, we can't do an actual fact. I tell you now, and th this is the weird thing. So I always talk to people about getting a coach and yes, I'm biased because I am a coach yeah. and yes, I'm an awesome one. So if you want one, Hey, you know, but, but, but the fact is everybody should, every business, uh, every entrepreneur or business person should have a coach. And the reason is because guess what? All of the top coaches have coaches, all the top entrepreneurs have coaches. Uh, right, At least know, one. Branson. Yeah, exactly. Richard Branson has multiple coaches. I know that for a fact. I know that Russell Brunson, he's got his own ones. I'm trying to think of other high profile names. I know Seth Godin has at least two mentors and two coaches that speak into his life. There's all these people that have all this support. And yet we think if we do that for ourselves, it makes us less or it takes away from us. The best yeah. entrepreneurs, the most successful people surround themselves with those that can help and ask for that help which means we need to reframe asking from help, uh, asking for help as weakness or failure and actually as a success. In fact, we should be asking for it more often and getting advice more often as well. I agree. I agree. Nobody has, nobody is an island. No. It's a cliche. <laughs> when you look at the most successful people, they did not do it alone. No, not at all. They may not have been the figurehead, but they did not do it alone. Yeah. And, and having those people speak into you as well is really important because, I mean, they serve multiple purposes. I, I, so I have two coaches and I have an accountability coach and I've got four peer coaches where we coach each other mm -hmm. um, so and help each other out. And honestly, that's probably the best relationships of all because you get to send a quick message going, help. <laughs> or, yeah. so, and they're like, quick, jump on Zoom. Uh, I remember doing that. I had a summit where one of my VAs just went MIA, like honestly, and just left me in the lurch and I had to do everything myself while trying to move house into this place, while also preparing for a wedding for a friend of ours, all this stuff and, oh, and launching my group program. So all of this happening at the same time. And I had to fulfill all their roles, couldn't just hand it over to someone straight away, there's a whole pile of stuff behind it. And I was just like, oh my goodness, this, this is nuts, this is nuts. And I hit the wall one night where I had to get this email out and I was trying to, trying to think of the wording and I just went blank. And I just sent an SOS to one of my peer coaches and just said, help. And she's like, what's up? And I said, I'm trying to write words, English, not good, tired, tired, need out now. She goes, jump on Zoom. And we co-wrote that together. And I tell you now, she didn't look at me as a failure at all. She didn't look at me and go, oh, I can't believe Vince couldn't do this. She was like, I'm so glad I got to help Vince. I'm so glad I got to be part of this as well. And then I've, I've returned the favor, obviously, many times for her as well. But it's, it's that whole thing of, I surround myself with these people. And I can tell you now, I wouldn't be where I am if mm. I didn't have these people surrounding me. Because they will... They will encourage you when you hit the wall and you're going to hit the wall a lot. You're an entrepreneur. That means you have days where you're yeah. crushing it and days where you're like, I can't get out of bed. Um, so <laughs> these are the people that get you out of bed. Okay. So they remind you why you're doing what you're doing, but they also see your blind spots. They see the areas that you don't even know are problematic and they call you out on that. And they bolster the areas where you're weaker as well. And more than that, they just become really good friends. So just got to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's the power of community yeah. and creating your own community, creating your own little mastermind. Yeah. Um, uh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I, I, listeners, if you don't have a community of peers who are on the same journey in yeah. some degree or another, I encourage you to find one. I know that I've had made the biggest growth 
as when being part of a community, when I'm surrounded by people who are on a similar journey, because family, friends, strangers on Facebook, they they do not understand (laughs) what you're going through, what you're experiencing, what your struggles are. And when you have those peers, you can just say a few words and they will know exactly where you're coming from and be able to support you. And you will be able to do the same for them. Definitely. It's super important. And and it's funny actually, because family and friends is a really good example there where they mean well, like family and friends. Oh yeah, they love you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the thing is they can't see your vision. They've never been where you're going. And that's why you get people that have been where you're going, you know? Because they were their thing is I want to protect you, so therefore that's never going to work. What are you doing? Yeah, come on, Trina, you're never going to be successful if you do that. It's like, like they're your fine. inner critic on the outside of your body. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you want to surround yourself with people that have been there, done that, and go, Trina, you're on the right track. Let's keep doing yeah. this. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and I, for the family, just tell them it's going to be okay. I got this. <laughs> yeah. I got this. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Or come and talk to me when you've done this before. Yeah. <laughs> that one doesn't yeah. go down well at dinner parties. Yeah. Well, Vince, this has been an absolute pleasure. You mentioned during our conversation that you have at least what, four new books coming out? Uh, yes. I've got two new books coming out in December and as well as republishing my first book, so I made some changes to it. And then two other books, which are going to be published in January, and then another two by the end of 2022, and two children's books as well, because I love just the cheesy dad jokes that are in there. Yeah. (laughs) Vince, this conversation, we could, could go on for hours, but I want to respect your time. And would you be willing to come back for another interview? At some oh, point, let me think about that for more than two seconds. Of course, I would. Come on, awesome. Is fine. Yeah. Fantastic, because it's an absolute pleasure. There's nothing but gold that happens during our conversations, and it's been that way from the very beginning, which was not that long ago. And yeah. I expect it to continue. So, this has been an absolute pleasure having you. How can people find out more about you, Vince? Oh man, I make that so complex now. Nah, <laughs> Marketing to to, expert. Exactly. Just go to chasingtheinsights.com. You'll see a few things on that page. It's obviously the home of my podcast. Um, that's the home of my books. But you'll see on there two things, really important. One, a link to all my social networks. So just connect with me everywhere. Unless you're a spammer, don't connect with me if you're a spammer because I, I, I don't like that. Um, but everybody <laughs> else, feel free to reach out to me. But also you'll see a link to where you can book a free strategy call with me. If you have any area of marketing where you're really struggling or imposter syndrome or anything like that, um, just book some time with me. They are no obligation whatsoever. In fact, like I said, nine times out of 10, I'm going to forget to tell you about what I do anyway. (laughs) So it's really (laughs) just there to serve you. I'm on a massive mission, Trina, to help as many entrepreneurs as I possibly can. I, I just think it's a high calling. I think it's something that's really special. It's the backbone of our economy and entrepreneurs are just badass, awesome individuals. Yeah. That's beautiful. And listeners, those links will be in the show notes. Thank you again, Vince. It has been an absolute pleasure and honor to have it this conversation with so you. So much fun, Trina. Honestly, we just have to do this again. And next time we'll bring, I'll bring some whiskey and uh, we'll make a night of it. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Next week, I'll be talking again with Willow Sana. 
a self-employed creative for over 20 years and sought-after business coach who empowers visionary entrepreneurs with heart-centered action about what you need to do before you can show up powerfully and compassionately for others. It's going to be a fantastic episode, so tune in next week, folks. You don't want to miss it. Hey, thanks for listening. I truly hope you got something out of this episode that you can immediately implement in your life or business. If so, one of the easiest ways you can help me is to please rate, review, and follow this podcast. When you do, you help me reach other heart-centered and socially conscious entrepreneurs just like you. By the way, if you are a driven entrepreneur at the top of your game, yet find your consistent successes aren't feeling like you thought they would, I also have a special invitation to share with you, especially if you are ready to go deep and stop the self-doubt, self-sabotage, overwork, overwhelm, exhaustion cycle that is holding you back from experiencing success that truly feels like success. I invite you to book a call with me. We'll have an intimate conversation about you and your business, and we'll talk about what's holding you back from regulating your nervous system, priming yourself for flow, and elevating your emotional intelligence so that your journey of success feels fulfilling and deeply satisfying. If you still need more help at the end of our call, and it makes sense to both of us, we'll talk about what it would look like to work together. If this sounds good to you, click the Book Trina link in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, and stay tuned for next week. And remember, be awesome!